Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast, five great British horror film series. And today's guest is screenwriter Bobby Lee Darby. Hello, Bobby. Hiya. Good how, morning. Good morning. And it's it's it, the morning's come round quick for you, hasn't it? Given your gallivant. I wasn't gallivanting, I was watching movies. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. Was it hardcore research till the wee small hours? Uh, well, I started with uh, the end of Terminator Genesis on mm. film four. And then I went on to Shrooms on the Horror Channel. Yeah. And I rewatched some of Altered Carbon because I still still don't really know what the hell was going on in that. And uh, and then I did a little bit of writing as well, had a few ideas, and then I went to bed. That's very disciplined of you, that. When you say you I, did a little, I, and you say you did a little bit of writing, what uh, you, you just, wrote some things on post-it notes, or you got your laptop out and started typing? I uh, got the laptop out and started typing. Um, probably stuff that will will get cut now because I think I've nicked it off altered carbon, but it seems <laughs> a bit of time. <laughs> It's a horrible feeling, that, isn't it? <laughs> well, I was like, oh, that's good, you know. I might, I might nick that. Quickly write it down and see if it fits. It does, but, yeah, it's... Um, I'll come back to it in a couple of days and be like, well, that is, that's, you're just ripping it off now. Now, last time I spoke to you was a while ago on the podcast when, when you were... when you, when the Sea No Evil 2 was imminently going to get released, so... Ah, uh, oh, so, oh, yeah, that's got to... What, four... Three, four years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have, that tr- we have this new modern trick now, don't we, where every now and again, if you make a Facebook comment, it's like you've kept in touch. <laughs> yes. You see my picture and I see your picture, so it's essentially, I can see, we can see what each other look like, and you, you, you fall into this trap of going, I've kept in touch with Bobby, yeah, yeah, he's, he's doing all right. Um, <laughs> I've seen him, he's got friends and he has a drink, so, you know. <clears throat> but um, but you're, you're, you you want to tell us... Um, Maybe um, not, not, let's let's not catch up on everything you've done since then because that wouldn't be fair on you uh, to sort of give us your life story. But what are you? Um, what can you tell us you're up to at the moment? Anything interesting? Uh, we are just uh, we've just handed in a script 
to Paul Hyatt called the house that God built that uh, that we developed with him and um, when you say we Keith, is that you and Nathan again? Me and Nathan, yes. Yeah, Nathan. and uh, the producer is Keith Bell. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. did uh, the Descent? Yes. Um, and it's um, it's I'm really excited about it. Um, we've got uh, Paul Gerard doing the artwork. Oh. Who uh, recently did he did the artwork for Masters of the Universe? It kind of went on went a bit viral and bloody disgusting. Oh, did it really? Uh, and he's uh, like, I wish I could, I wish I could show you the designs that he's he's come up with. Um, well, well on a podcast, that you know. No, but I, I can, I could show you on Facebook. <laughs> no, well, I look forward to that. I look forward. To that. Um, <laughs> but I can't show you because it, it's top secret. Obviously, yeah. Well, that'd be the more reason. Yeah, that'd make more sense. Um, but, um, now, now we've come together to talk about uh, five great British horror films, and as I'll remind the listener, the rules are quite simple. We're not going to try and get, this is me talking to the listener now, not you, Bobby. We're not going to try and get you to define what are the greatest British horror films full stop because that's been written about in Empire and BFI websites and all kinds year on year and everyone knows what they are and can argue whether they agree. It's it's Wicker Man number one, Don't Look Now number one or American Wealth. No, it's, it's not. It's not Wicker Man number one for me. <laughs> There you go, you see, there's the debate already. So so what it what it is, what this show is all about, is trying to draw attention to interesting British horror product that's out there, films or otherwise. Um, in previous shows, we've gone as tiny as a 90-second infomercial and a Chris Cunningham Aphex Twin video. And in this one, we're going we're gonna to move into some Netflix stuff. So... It's uh, it's really about drawing attention to interesting British horror, so we can talk about interesting horror because a I like horror, and b Britflix is about shining a light on British talent. So I think that's all good, don't you, Bobby? I think that's great. Yeah, it's perfect. Right, and the the game is I give you five minutes, and we'll talk about each one and, and why it's good, why it's why it's interesting, and you can you can pick whatever thread you want, and I'll follow you as to why why you think a film is interesting. Um, and that's about it, really. If the internet breaks, then I'll pick that problem up and, and I'll add it together as if it never happened. Um, <laughs> so don't you worry about it. But um, let's start with your first... Of, in fact, actually, as with my previous guest, which isn't out there yet, you came to me with seven in your list. Now, before we get into your five, the two that didn't quite make the cut but are things that you find interesting are The Season House and Eden Lake. Which, yes. which I guess the, the, the I guess the similarity would be that they're they're both kind of I think one is sort of at the at the white hot sort of centre of what became known as the torture porn kind of thing mm. in Eden Lake, and I guess Season House would be the kind of like one of the one of the exclamation marks or, or full stops on torture porn as a as a kind of brief moment in horror genre. Yeah. Um... I, I remember season, season case actually skipped it for a few years because I thought it was, was just going to be torture porn. Mm. But when I watched it, I I, I think there's something there. I think it's a real tense story, really well shot uh, with some great sequences. And and the same with Eden Lake. I didn't quite fancy that when it when it first came out, but mm. um, but I caught it on DVD and and it, and it just it terrified me. It could it could be a it well you know there are similar stories that have happened in Britain where. Teenage youths have killed um, killed adults, and it just 
it can't, that, that, I found that terrifying that it's not so far removed from a British headline. Mm. No, I mean, I've, I've interviewed um, Kevin Howarth, who plays the commandant in Season House, mm. which I think is the best, one of the best scenes in the film. When, mm. when you kind of go, what world are we in in this horror film? And, and this is a spoiler, and I think I can do that in 2018 for a 2012 film. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a line of girls, and he's telling them, you'll do what you're told. And then he just kills one just to prove a point. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's nasty. Yeah, very nasty film. But uh, Paul Paul Hyatt had a. I mean, I don't. Know if, uh, well, if you caught it later on, I saw it when it premiered at uh, Fright Fest, mm. and uh, hilariously, Paul Paul, or unfortunately for Paul, but hilariously from watching from the outside in, some lunatic with a carrier bag uh, got in the queue for the Q and A afterwards, and uh, just just said, uh, so. Um, is the film finished? Because I've got some points about the editing. And the kind of... All the room went, what are you talking about? Like, it was a really weird moment. And, like, you know, you felt a lot of sympathy. Because Paul's there, like, just have a world premiere. And some... Yeah. Some... I don't know. Some, uh, some weird, weird... Weird horror film fan decided that they were going to say something that was obtuse to the rest... To the other 1,500 people sat in the large screen at the Empire Cinema, you know? It's like, yeah. how, how you can be that out of touch is beyond me. But it was, it always sticks in your mind because you kind of, they used to do, at Pride Fest, they used to have like, queuing up the aisle. So you've got like, sensible question, sensible question, sensible question. And then somebody says, I've got some ideas about the edit. You're like, you do know you're in a <laughs> cinema, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> we, we've sorted that, mate. Don't you worry your little head about it. So let's, uh, let's begin at the beginning. As normal, I'm going to do them in day order, the films. So clock is starting. On Night of the Demon, 1957. Why would you say that M.R. James adaptation is an interesting British horror film? Uh, right. So, Jacques Tournoir, who had uh, previously made uh, was it Cat People and yeah. I Walk of a Zombie. Yes. Uh, adapts the book by... I can't remember... Anyway, moving on. Um, so I, haven't, I wasn't going to talk about this one, so I've, uh, I'm just trying to get my memory in place. So when I first watched it, what I really liked about it was um, it didn't show you anything. It was all the sound. It was all sound effects. Um, a lot of darkness in there. A lot of I remember a lot of shadows. And even the scenes that were in, in daylight, I remember there's a scene where he goes to, um, is it Carswell, the bad guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. They go to his, he goes to his house because um, uh, the lead is a skeptic and doesn't believe in the paranormal. He's the perfect horror hero, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and he, he meets Carswell, who... They're at, his, they're at his mansion, and there's a scene outside where the wind, it's just the wind whipping some leaves. Mm. And I can remember seeing that as a kid and just finding it absolutely terrifying. Like, And I think it was it was just my mind thinking, you know, what well, what he's doing here. And I think that's, you know, the pair of the movie is the atmosphere. And I then, mean, yeah, of you course... You've got, you've got, like, lights coming through, and it's that beautiful thing about black and white, which we'll come to on a final movie about what black and white can do. Um, and because this was black and white by by the fact that you, everything was more or less yeah 
and lights going through a forest very fast become a lot more exciting and interesting in a horror context when you can't see detail. All you can see is light and dark. Yes, yeah, and you kind of like you like the descent. You kind of get drawn to the darkness. I feel because you're waiting for something to, to come out of the darkness. Mm. Um, I, I think one of the things that's that's really interesting about it is that is that in in the normal world where we don't prove what supernatural is or is not, this story would pitter out. But in a horror film, you can play the idea that the devil is real and demons can curse you. And if you play that out real. That's the horror, isn't it? Because the horror is what if this happened rather than what's possible or what's real. Yes, yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, one of the things that, that stands out for me, because I saw it very young, but then what? Uh, as I got older, a number of movies copied a lot of the ideas from, from Night of a Demon. Um, was it Cast in the Runes, the original? Yeah, it cast M.R. James' short story, yeah. M.R. James, of course, yes. Yeah. Um, but stuff like The Ring copies the idea of uh, there's a curse and um, you have to pass it on or pass it back to, is it pass it back to the person who cursed you no it's just you, you literally, literally you've got to be able to give it give it they've got to accept the curse I think it is I think it's, you accept it because obviously in night of the rune oh, sorry night of the rune night of the demon it is literally if you accept the piece of paper even if it's as, as is you know in a book or in a wallet or whatever it is once you've took it you've you've you've, you've exchanged the curse haven't you Yes, which I think uh, I think the closest sort of homage to it or, or taking of it is probably "Drag Me to Hell." Drag Me to Hell, yes, yeah. Um, but I thought the ring was was quite close to it as well, with mm. the idea of that once you watch a videotape, you have seven days to to end the curse, and to end the curse, you had to make someone else watch a videotape. Mm. Whereas in Night of a Demon, he gives the piece of paper back to uh, Carswell. They slip it into his pocket at the end. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just basically sleight of hand in the end. And then we have the kind of infamous Godzilla monster shows up on, on the road, road track, which was, wasn't shot by Tornoir, was it, at the end? No, that was, wasn't that, wasn't that something that Halle Chester, the American producer that was involved with the film, yes, insist, I think, yes. insisted had to happen? And yeah, then, and, and Tornoir, everyone said, Tornoir. no, we don't need it. <laughs> yes, uh, I was like, it's scary and not seeing the demon, and yeah, I think they shot like they, I think they shot it without his permission. That's right, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's Or just right inserted this, this uh, Godzilla demon into the movie, and I remember seeing it as a kid, and I was terrified all the way through until I saw that, that monster, because it just, it looked like Godzilla. There you go, Bobby. Time up on Night of the Demon. Okay. So now, swiftly moving on, we're going to jump to 1965 and Repulsion, which, as far as I understand, was R Roman Polanski's first English language movie. First English language movie. Um, yes, 1965. Absolute classic. And what? And uh, I, must, I must admit, it's, the, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blank in my viewing. So tell us... Tell us maybe a bit about what Repulsion is about and why it's what makes it a good horror. Uh, Repulsion <clears throat> is uh, set in the 1960s, follows a young woman, uh, Catherine Denou. Yeah, Catherine and, Denou. Um, and she's living with her sister in London. Her sister's having an affair with a married guy. And, um, and Catherine's kind of like, she hears them having sex and she kind of, 
cover the face with a pillow, and eventually the sister and the boyfriend, uh, the sister and the, the guy she's having an affair with, the guy who's having an affair with her, they, they leave for a holiday. Um, and then we, we, we kind of stay with Catherine Deneuve's character. Mm-hmm. And we realise that she, she's repulsed by men and she has a fear of men. And she slowly goes crazy in this apartment. And it builds to her, actually, um, she ends up killing uh, two men in the movie. But there's a twist at the end that kind of changes the whole perspective of the movie. Okay. And kind of makes you feel a little, kind of a little sorry for, for the lead. Um, because she's clearly schizophrenic, she's clearly been um, abused as a child. Well, that's my take from it. Um, that she was it doesn't sound. Child. It doesn't. I mean, I've seen the Tenant, which obviously has sounds like it. Obviously, same director and stuff, but has the same kind of claustrophobia and, I guess, existential crisis because it's just somebody else's problem. It's not a, a real object, is it? That's in your way or a real force of evil. It's, yeah, yeah. It's your mind, isn't it, making you? scared making you do things yes so how does how, um, does, how does roman convey that because obviously from a writing point of view what's in the mind you can't see it so what does, uh, what does he do he in the film a lot of um uh she's hallucinating so she's mm. in her apartment uh, she hallucinates that the walls are cracking um there's a scene i'm sure you you might have seen the still of it or uh at, a clip of it where the hands come through the wall and they're groping at her. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've never heard that's where it's from. Yeah, that's from repulsion. Um, and gradually these, these hallucinations get worse. Um, she, she has an hallucination that um, someone breaks into her house, into the apartment, and mm. um, kind of tries to rape her. And it all this just tips her over the, the edge. And then there's a guy... He uh, he's he's got a thing for a really fancy her, and she ends up killing him because she can't deal with. Yeah, you know, he he just can't take no for an for an answer. He keeps asking her out. Kind does, of breaks. Does, I was going to say, does for the viewer, does it does it is what's real and what's unreal never become quite clear as it as it builds up? I mean, obviously at the start you're obviously quite clear, and then does it move into yeah. a place where you're never quite sure in the end? Yes, well, I mean, I, I didn't see it till a few years ago. So when I was watching it, I was like, okay, is this is this all in her head? Right. Um, as as I didn't know if she had really killed someone or whether she was mm. fantasized about killing someone. Um, and it really, you know, I I found it really disturbing when I was watching it because at first, with with the rapes, well, when she almost gets raped in an hallucination. Yeah. Um. Because she's such a fragile character and she she's so sexually repressed, um, I, I didn't know at first if, if she was actually fantasizing about being raped, because everything is everything in the movie is about sexual repression mm. and whether she's trying to break out of this. But I think it's clear at the end of the movie with what happens that she was she was uh, abused as a child, and and that's what's called a psych. Uh, psychotic break in the movie mm. now interestingly looking at the credits one of the exec producers who obviously was one of the reasons why this film got made I've, I've, I've interviewed Tony Klinger who's the son of Michael Klinger who obviously went on to produce great films like Get Carter um, mm. so there's a I think a, a market trader from Shepherd's Bush was was, 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 was 
response was one of the people responsible for bringing Roman, Berklan Roman Polanski to do his first English language film, and he even went on and did he did Cul de Sac as well, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I've not seen it though. Is it, is it good? I've not seen that one, no. But uh, there's our five minutes on repulsion. It sounds. I, I really feel like it's a hole I need to fill really, in terms of my watching. Um, but in 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 light of current um, current scandals and whatever, the rush to watch a Roman Polanski film isn't isn't as uh, isn't what it used to be. Um, yeah, yeah, I um, yeah, I know what you mean. But I, you know, he he has made some great films. Um, but no, I mean, you know, he, 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 I mean, this, this is this. There's an ongoing argument, isn't there? That's you know, it's like, do, do we to make is is making good art also a contract to say you'll be a good person? Because it's like it isn't condoning what he did, and it isn't. No, of course, of course not. Um, but I mean, can you but, watch a film in isolation? I mean, I don't it, know. No, uh, I don't know if I would rush to watch a Roman Polanski film at a cinema now. Certainly not a new one. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't. I don't think I need to do that. Um, but anyway, let's not uh, get ourselves bogged down in yeah. <laughs> the sexual politics of Hollywood. Um, let's swiftly move on to 1968 for The Devil Rides Out, and it's a film I've not uh, seen. I've not seen it in ages. So, so tell us a bit about why you think this one is uh, deserves attention as a as a great British horror film. Uh, I just. I mean, it's it's got a great team behind it. Terence Fisher did. The excellent Dracula, Prince of Darkness, which also starred Christopher Lee, who stars in The Devil Rides Out. Uh, it's based on a book by Dennis Wheatley. It is indeed. Um, and the script is by the brilliant Richard, Richard Matheson. Matheson. You know, I Am Legend, The Legend of Hell House. Uh, yeah. Stephen, one did, of Stephen King's favourites, that, I think, Legend of Hell yeah, House. Yeah, um, Jewel, Steve, one of Spielberg's um, most intense movies for me. Mm. Uh, um, Jaws 3D, but less said the better. Um, mm. I, re I, remember, I remember reading the book more than than the film. To be honest with you, and just the whole this just hilarious bits of like early 20th century Britain, where 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 one of the characters says uh, you could tell he was going mad because he took a flat by Covent Garden when there was plenty going in Mayfair. And you're like, <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> 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 But I think that's not really captured in the film. Um, so what makes it a good horror film for you? Uh, for me, I mean, I remember watching it as a kid and I just I just found it, in, I mean, aside from being incredibly scary, it was really colourful mm. for a horror movie. I remember, you know, there's satanic rituals, black masses, and people are dressed in purple cloaks. Um, there's a, there's, I remember a lot of greens in the movie and it moves at a real fast pace. You know, it comes, you know, I remember the first 20... 30 minutes, you see the devil when they, they kind of go to the um, the woods to rescue Tanif, who's being promised to the, to the devil as a bride. Mm. And they get there, and the devil appears on a rock in the form of a, uh, a man with a goat's head, which, at the time, I was like, geez, if, if they're showing the devil in the first 20 minutes, what else, you know, what else is going to come? And um, it, from that point, it just doesn't disappoint. You've got giant tarantulas, which I'm sure... You know, probably don't eat the best nowadays, but I remember the uh, the angel of de the angel of death. Um, how they they send the angel of death to get the girl. I just remember the scene where the angel of death comes flying into the into the room in the mansion where they're hiding out mm. on this winged horse, 
and kind of takes his helmet off and has got this skull uh, skull face, and it just it just terrified me as a kid. I mean, the thing is, it's like for me, I'm I, I would call myself an atheist. Yeah, because because religion is often about this idea of this 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 invisible friend or this invisible power, which is yeah. going to do good in the world. But I'm scared of the existence of the devil because obviously a devil or a demon is is not here for good things. And once he starts fucking with us, then we're, we're I mean, even though God is purportedly as, as powerful. It is. I can still um, be more probably. scared by the dark side than I am by the potential <laughs> yeah, of being a good I mean, side, I, if that makes sense. I I always find um, Satanism and um, just you know really unsettling. I mean, all types of religion unsettling, but mm. conversation for another time. Yeah. But I think the imagery of Satanism that you know the black cockles, uh, white hens, men with goats' heads, pentagrams, uh, inverted crosses. I always, I always found this imagery um, you know, really disturbing, but really interesting. Mm. And it's kind of stayed with me. Um, in in the movie we're doing with Paul, there's a lot of satanic imagery, um, and there's a there's a I scene. I should hope there is with a title like you've got. Well, there's a there's a scene that is deeply indebted to the Devil Rides Out. Oh, fantastic! That, that's not being ripped off; it's just been homaged. Um, but it's it's kind of it's called the Black Parade in, in the script. Yeah. This scene, and um, it's just horrific, and and it's it's very similar, not very similar, but it it kind of takes idea an idea from the Devil Rides Out and kind of updates it to what I think and what Nathan thinks it should be in the in, the, in today's age and what modern audiences want to see. I was going to say because a lot of a lot of things, if you if you look at the way evil is portrayed or evil is perceived, it's now so much governed by what Hollywood has said it looks like. You know, yes, it's yep. sort of you know, and I don't mean that in the sense that good, bad pe- good people are made bad by what they watch, but just simply they begin to believe that the devil is this because of popular literature and or movies, and that's it. Yep. Well, oh, that's the end of five minutes on Devil Rides Out. Um, Swiftly moving on, and wowzer, we're going to jump a while now for your uh, fourth choice, which is um, The Descent from 2005. Uh, Descent. Which your, um, uh, your collaborator, Keith Bell, was very much involved with. Yeah, I think he was, he was on the producing team behind mm. the movie. Um, yeah. yeah, Descent, I mean, when was it 2006, did you say? 2005. 2005, so I was at, I was at university. Uh, I remember watching it in, in a cinema. Um, I think it was the first show when the first day it came out. It's pretty empty. And, um, you know, I was just on the edge of my seat, chewing my nails the whole time from start to finish. Um, you know, before the movie came out, I thought Neil Marshall is putting dancer to John Carpenter with, with Dog Soldiers, which I thought was excellent. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then The Descent came out, and I was like, well, you know, he's... After this, I mean, he's one of the great British genre filmmakers, in my opinion. Oh, I, knocked um, it, I think he knocked it out of the park with uh, the descent. I think it's uh, an amazing. Piece I thought it was it was it was going to be the savior of horror. Um, I know he got offered a lot of uh, big horror franchises in Hollywood and kind of did his own thing with Doomsday and and whatnot. But um, I'd like to see him go back to horror. Mm. But you know, the descent. 
one of the things I really liked when I first saw it was uh, it was it was all women mm. going into going into a cave and encountering subterranean creatures. But also, that are trying but to also kill them. it's a lesson I think in ensemble casts is that it didn't take you long to believe that they were friends, but it also didn't take you long to understand there was friction. So that when yeah. they get when they get into trouble, it felt real. So ultimately, the film is based on good character writing, isn't it? And then really amazingly observed horror. Yeah, and I think even with with the character writing, you know, there's no it's there's no great moments of exposition. You kind of just slip into their in, into their world, into their circle of friends, mm. and get it. Um, and then, of course, when the horror comes, you know, it, it is. I mean, for me, it's one of the scariest movies. It is the scariest movie in the last 30 years for me. Um, can, can you imagine if the film had had, like, a, like in the cabin moments, if one of the women were going, oh, we can't get a pothole in there because that's where the legend of the whatever is. It, it, it'd, it'd have been nonsense, wouldn't it? The fact that... Uh, it'd the just f- been, you know... I hate those things where it just signposts... Oh, it signposts the end of the movie, you know... I love the because because essentially we're led to believe that the danger they're in is the potholing, you know. Yes. How how do we get out? So how do we get out becomes fucking hell. What the shit is that? <laughs> Absolutely, you know. I mean, I can remember watching it. And it it's just a sustained level of tension, of suspense, of of just building dread all the way through. When I became fixated on the darkness again in the movie, mm. just waiting for creatures to attack. And I think and that's an important lesson, isn't it, for horror, people who are trying to write horror, is that it's it's in those moments where maybe what you can't see is where the best horror is. So people get can get a bit too obsessed about creating a creature, can't they, and building some prosthetic thing that does this, this and this, which is an important part of any kind of film, and obviously that's a payoff in the movie. But... Yeah, a lot of yeah. what makes Descent great is just simply feeling like you're watching and waiting for something you can't see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there's the old saying, you know, what you can't see is always scary because your mind is will infinitely create something scarier than 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 what the filmmakers can show you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think with a Descent as well, there's an a real, there's like. A, an emotional core to the movie, you know, where we see these characters and friendships tested and dark secrets revealed. And I think that makes it more, more terrifying, more heartbreaking when they're being picked off by these creatures because we actually care about these characters. Mm. What's your favourite moment from the film? Um, I, my favourite moment is the jump scene where, they, where we first see the creature where they're moving with a night vision camera and it's mm. just standing next to the girl. It's genius, isn't it? Yeah, I was just at the cinema, I was just, I don't know where I screamed or what, but it's just like, shit, you know, get ready now, because it's going to get fucking scary, and it, and it does. And um, for, for me, it was the, um, the whatchamacallit, the, the claustrophobia bit where the girl is sort of halfway in, halfway out, and can't go back, and she's in about 12 inches of, you know, the floor above her, the yes. ceiling above her and the floor below her. So the only way through is into the unknown. And also, it's a tight space, so you could get stuck completely. I mean, it, I mean, I heard when they... they uh, are, we, are we done? Go on, finish your thought, finish your thought. Go I was on. just going to say, um, how they, they kind of just used one set at a studio and just kept redressing it, and it, and it, it just, it's just genius. 
and it is you know in the claustrophobia the confined confinedness of the whole piece is um is what really stands out to me and that's why i think it is the best british horror movie best horror movie of the last 30 years no no i i mean i i mean at a charity auction i I, I a, a friend of my parents paid paid fifty pound for a for a signed uh, DVD of Descent, a good few years ago. Um, so yes, no, I'm a I'm a big fan. It's in my top five, that's for certain. Um, <clears throat> so these these, um, these five things are going past, aren't they? They are, they are. That's what I mean. It's it's because otherwise we could be we 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 ramble on, you see. So it's like it's, yeah. it's a good way of focusing, I think. But uh, I'll explain to you after why I do this, um, and then. Finally, we're going to make a real lump into the mod, real leap into the modern day with an episode of Black Mirror. Do you want to tell us what it's called? Uh, Metalhead. Now it's not one I've, I've not seen it yet. So um, tell us about it. Oh, I thought you'd seen it. Um, okay, so it's set in this post-apocalyptic world, um, Scotland, mm-hmm. where these three characters. It's Scotland post-apocalyptic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. That was a bad. That was a cheat, guy. Go on, carry on. <laughs> Um, uh, three characters go to this abandoned warehouse mm. and they're there to retrieve something and they inadvertently trigger a security system mm-hmm. in the form of a robotic dog. Well, what what can be described as a robotic dog? And this thing literally just hunts down its prey and will not stop until they're dead or it's being destroyed. But it is... To destroy it is like killing a Terminator. I mean, it's basically Terminator. An unstoppable, yeah, four legs, an unstoppable killing machine chasing uh, a woman across the Scottish moors. Now, I read it was it was it was in it was influenced by the uh, by what should we call it by the um, Boston Mechanics sort of clips of their of their dogs, their robot dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, yeah, I've seen. um, Yeah, it's. And so, so it's written by Charlie Brooker, obviously one of the show, the Black Mirror's creator, um, yeah. and it's directed by David Aldrin Slade. So two British guys doing it there. Now, they, now what was interesting me reading about it, sorry having not seen it, is is that, and, and I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Nat the Demon, is they chose to do this in black and white. Yeah, it's, um, I think it really works for it. You know, it's kind of this, this stripped down, stark, um, minimal quality. Mm. But it's this kind of like post-apocalyptic world, mm. and and you know the way David Slade shoots it, it, it just makes it 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 feels like um, it feels like you're watching like like a big budget Hollywood movie, even though everything else is stripped down with the black and white photography. Mm. So do, what 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 do you think was the um... What was the reasoning there? Because obviously we're talking about a, a show that goes out on, you know, the most modern form of distribution, a streaming channel. And there you are, giving them... is is a brand new film, Black and White. Thank you very much. Um, I think it is because of the, just to add to the post-apocalypticness of, of, mm. the, of the world. But once, you, once you're like a couple of minutes in, you... Well, I just... I forgot it was Black and White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. because the world's so dead where what, what these characters inhabit it, it kind of just feels it didn't feel for me like i was watching black and white and how was, Ma- think... how, how was maxine peak i mean she's from my neck of the woods the northwest what's her performance like in it oh she's great i mean she 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 doesn't have a lot of dialogue but she's there's just something about her, even though you don't know and you don't know anything about any of the characters 
but you just really root for them. And I don't know whether it's because what's chasing them is just pure evil, mm. but she just does a great job of just holding it all together because, you know, I mean, if it, had, if it wasn't for her performance, maybe, well, I wouldn't care as much. Mm. But, you know, okay, get it. Because, I mean, the story's so simple. It's just a woman escaping a robot for 40 minutes. Um, but it is, it is just tense as hell. And there's, there's, you know, unlike other Black Mirror episodes, there's, there's no real um, kind of like message about technology or anything that we haven't seen before in stuff like Terminator. Mm. You know, man's own creations will eventually destroy them. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of expecting some sort of um, satirical twist on it when I was after seeing the previous ones. But this one is just stripped down horror movie with characters trying to escape an unstoppable killing machine. So, so does that have echoes of Demon Seed then? I've not seen Demon Seed. Okay. So I wouldn't know. It sounds like it has that idea. I mean, obviously it's the the, the, uh, the containment and stuff. Um, any any standout moment for you then? If it is that kind of stripped down, we've triggered summer, we've got to get out. It's indestructible. What would what what's the standout moment? Um, for you? I think the moment where she traps it in a car. Mm. And the car goes over the cliff with the robot inside. Mm. Um, and then I mean, it, it happens very happens very early on. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, that's, that's that one done. But then it just kind of climbs out the rubble at the wreckage of a car and just goes back after her. What a great way of showing something's indestructible, eh? Yeah, sending it over a cliff in a car and it just... <laughs> I think it, it, um, it kind of just... Oh, look at that. Time's up, mate. That's your fun. That's your five great British horror films. Um, now, I'll just re-run run through the list. So we've got Night of the Demon, 1957. We've got Repulsion, 1965. Devil Rides Out, 1968. The Descent, 2005. And then Metalhead, 2017. Now, I can't, now looking at that list, I can't think of anything, obviously, that, that for me, links them together. But what from, from you've chosen the list, and obviously yeah. you know why you're a fan of all kinds of horror. What do you think is the common ground between those five for you? Uh, I think they're all a lot of them are contained and take place over a few days or a day or a few hours. Um, mm. Descent is is kind of a few hours in the cave. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> Devil rides out is is kind of one night. Um, Metalhead is is literally it feels real time, yeah. forty minutes or so. Um, and I said repulsion. It feel it kind of a few days I, I think it might be a weekend mm. well now the demon's so, definitely a ticking clock isn't it because you're going to get the devil coming again yeah yeah um, so I think if if I'd say what what knitted them together it would be the idea that that they all happen in a short space of time and I always like stories that that start and uh and end really quickly um because I just feel there's always an urgency there like you know the terminator is just probably two or three days. Um, Night of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead is, is just one night. Yeah, because it's that, it's that idea that there's no room in the story for what you would call normal boring stuff like people going taking a shit or cooking the dinner. There's, there's no time for that because cause there's horrors taking over your life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and the, the stuff me and Nathan write is always setting a day or over a few hours. Uh, mm. And when we've tried to do um, 
movies that kind of over a longer period that, that play out over a longer period of time. Mm. Um, I think we always we always kind of struggle with the pace and there's always kind of a lot a lot of fat on the scenes or the scenes that just don't really need to be there. But when you're so contained with with a ticking clock, it's kind of like every every scene needs to be um, have an urgency about them. Yeah, I think I mean um, somebody much cleverer than me, Tolstoy, said that um, storytelling is, is in the transition. And obviously, if your transitions are moving across shorter spaces of time, mm. then then every time you get in new information, you should, in theory, be gasping for breath if it's done well. Yeah, yeah, totally, in totally agree. And that's what obviously feeds a good horror film, isn't it? <clears throat> Absolutely. All right, buddy. Well, look, thank you very much for giving us your time on the Britflix Five Great British Horror Films. It's been a pleasure. Ah, uh, it's been you know. Thank you for asking me. I really enjoyed it. This podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.